Chapter 4 of The People of the Black Circle by Robert E. Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The People of the Black Circle. Chapter 4 An Encounter in the Pass. Yasmina Devi could never clearly remember the details of her abduction. The unexpectedness and violence stunned her. She had only a confused impression of a whirl of happenings the terrifying grip of a mighty arm, the blazing eyes of her abductor, and his hot breath burning on her flesh. The leap through the window to the parapet, the mad race across the battlements and roofs when the fear of falling froze her, the reckless descent of a rope bound to a merlin. He went down almost at a run, his captive folded limply over his brawny shoulder. All this was a befuddled tangle in the Devi's mind. She retained a more vivid memory of him running fleetly into the shadows of the trees, carrying her like a child, and vaulting into the saddle of a fierce Balkanut stallion which reared and snorted. Then there was a sensation of flying, and the racing hoofs were striking sparks of fire from the flinty road as the stallion swept up the slopes. As the girl's mind cleared, her first sensations were furious rage and shame. She was appalled. The rulers of the Golden Kingdom south of the Hymelians were considered little short of divine, and she was the Devi of Vendia. Fright was submerged in regal wrath. She cried out furiously and began struggling. She, Yasmina, to be carried on the saddle-bow of a hill-chief, like a common wench of the marketplace. He merely hardened his massive thews slightly against her writhings, and for the first time in her life she experienced the coercion of superior physical strength. His arms felt like iron about her slender limbs. He glanced down at her and grinned hugely. His teeth glimmered whitely in the starlight. The reins laid loose on the stallion's flowing mane, and every thew and fiber of the great beast strained as he hurtled along the boulder-strewn trail. But Conan sat easily almost carelessly in the saddle, riding like a centaur. "'You hill-bred dog!' she panted, quivering with the impact of shame, anger, and the realization of helplessness. "'You dare! You dare! Your life shall pay for this! Where are you taking me?' "'To the villages of Afghulistan,' he answered, casting a glance over his shoulder. Behind them, beyond the slopes they had traversed, torches were tossing on the walls of the fortress, and he glimpsed a flare of light that meant the great gate had been opened. And he laughed, a deep-throated boom, gusty as the hill wind. "'The governor has sent his riders after us,' he laughed. "'By Crom, we will lead him a merry chase. What do you think, Devi? Will they pay seven lives for a Kastriya princess?' They will send an army to hang you and your spawn of devils," she promised him with conviction. He laughed gustily and shifted her to a more comfortable position in his arms. But she took this as a fresh outrage, and renewed her vain struggle, until she saw that her efforts were only amusing him. Besides, her light silken garments, floating on the wind, were being outrageously disarranged by her struggles. She concluded that a scornful submission was the better part of dignity, and lapsed into a smoldering quiescence. 
she felt even her anger being submerged by awe as they entered the mouth of the pass, lowering like a black well-mouth in the blacker walls that rose like colossal ramparts to bar their way. It was as if a gigantic knife had cut the Zybar out of walls of solid rock. On either hand sheer slopes pitched up for thousands of feet, and the mouth of the pass was dark as hate. Even Conan could not see with any accuracy, but he knew the road, even by night. And knowing that armed men were racing through the starlight after him, he did not check the stallion's speed. The great brute was not yet showing fatigue. He thundered along the road that followed the valley-bed, labored up a slope, swept along a low ridge where treacherous shale on either hand lurked for the unwary, and came upon a trail that followed the lap of the left-hand wall. Not even Conan could spy in that darkness an ambush set by Zybar tribesmen. As they swept past the black mouth of a gorge that opened into the pass, a javelin swished through the air and thudded home behind the stallion's straining shoulder. The great beast let out his life in a shuddering sob and stumbled, going headlong in mid-stride. But Conan had recognized the flight and stroke of the javelin, and he acted with spring-steel quickness. As the horse fell, he leapt clear, holding the girl aloft to guard her from striking boulders. He lit on his feet like a cat, thrust her into a cleft of rock, and wheeled toward the outer darkness, drawing his knife. Yasmina, confused by the rapidity of events, not quite sure just what had happened, saw a vague shape rush out of the darkness, bare feet slapping softly on the rock, ragged garments whipping on the wind of his haste. She glimpsed the flicker of steel, heard the lightning crack of stroke, parry and counterstroke, and the crunch of bone as Conan's long knife split the other's skull. Conan sprang back, crouching in the shelter of the rocks. Out in the night men were moving, and a stentorian voice roared, "'What, you dogs! Do you flinch? In, curse you, and take them!' Conan started, peering into the darkness, and lifted his voice. "'Your Afzal, is it you?' There sounded a startled imprecation, and the voice called warily, "'Conan? Is it you, Conan?' "'Aye,' the Cimmerian laughed. "'Come forth, you old war-dog! I've slain one of your men!' There was movement among the rocks, a light flared dimly, and then a flame appeared and came bobbing toward him. And as it approached, a fierce bearded countenance grew out of the darkness. The man who carried it held it high thrust forward, and craned his neck to peer among the boulders it lighted. The other hand gripped a great curved tulwar. Conan stepped forward, sheathing his knife, and the other roared a greeting. "'Aye, it is Conan! Come out of your rocks, dogs! It is Conan!' Others pressed into the wavering circle of light, wild, ragged, bearded men with eyes like wolves and long blades in their fists. They did not see Yasmina, for she was hidden by Conan's massive body. But peeping from her covert, she knew icy fear for the first time that night. These men were more like wolves than human beings. "'What are you hunting in the Zybar by night, your Afzal?' Conan demanded of the burly chief, who grinned like a bearded ghoul. "'Who knows what might come up the pass after dark? 
We Wazulis are nighthawks. But what of you, Conan? I have a prisoner, answered the Cimmerian. And moving aside, he disclosed the cowering girl. Reaching a long arm into the crevice, he drew her trembling forth. Her imperious bearing was gone. She stared timidly at the ring of bearded faces that hemmed her in, and was grateful for the strong arm that clasped her possessively. The torch was thrust close to her, and there was a sucking intake of breath about the ring. "'She is my captive,' Conan warned, glancing pointedly at the feet of the man he had slain, just visible within the ring of light. I was taking her to Afghulistan, but now you have slain my horse, and the Kashtriyas are close behind me." "'Come with us to my village,' suggested Yar Afsal. We have horses hidden in the gorge. They can never follow us in the darkness. They are close behind you, you say? So close that I hear now the clink of their hoofs on the flint," answered Conan grimly. Instantly there was movement. The torch was dashed out and the ragged shapes melted like phantoms into the darkness. Conan swept up the divai in his arms and she did not resist. The rocky ground hurt her slim feet in their soft slippers, and she felt very small and helpless in that brutish, primordial blackness among those colossal nighted crags. Feeling her shiver in the wind that moaned down the defiles, Conan jerked a ragged cloak from its owner's shoulders and wrapped it about her. He also hissed a warning in her ear, ordering her to make no sound. She did not hear the distant clink of shod hoofs on rock that warned the keen-eared hillman. But she was far too frightened to disobey in any event. She could see nothing but a few faint stars far above, but she knew by the deepening darkness when they entered the gorge-mouth. There was a stir about them, the uneasy movement of horses. A few muttered words, and Conan mounted the horse of the man he had killed, lifting the girl up in front of him. Like phantoms, except for the click of their hoofs, the band swept away up the shadowy gorge. Behind them on the trail they left the dead horse and the dead man, which were found less than half an hour later by the riders from the fortress, who recognized the man as a Wazuli and drew their own conclusions accordingly. Yasmina, snuggled warmly in her captor's arms, grew drowsy in spite of herself. The motion of the horse, though it was uneven, uphill and down, yet possessed a certain rhythm which combined with weariness and emotional exhaustion to force sleep upon her. She had lost all sense of time or direction. They moved in soft, thick darkness, in which she sometimes glimpsed vaguely gigantic walls sweeping up like black ramparts, or great crags shouldering the stars. At times she sensed echoing depths beneath them, or felt the wind of dizzy heights blowing cold about her. Gradually these things faded into a dreamy unwakefulness, in which the clink of hoofs and the creak of saddles were like the irrelevant sounds in a dream. She was vaguely aware when the motion ceased, and she was lifted down and carried a few steps. Then she was laid down on something soft and rustling, and something, a folded coat, perhaps, was thrust under her head, and the cloak in which she was wrapped was carefully tucked about her. She heard Yar Afsal laugh. 
A rare prize, Conan. Fit mate for a chief of the Afghulis. Not for me, came Conan's answering rumble. This wench will buy the lives of my seven headmen, blast their souls. That was the last she heard as she sank into dreamless slumber. She slept while armed men rode through the dark hills, and the fate of kingdoms hung in the balance. Through the shadowy gorges and defiles that night there rang the hoofs of galloping horses, and the starlight glimmered on helmets and curved blades, until the ghoulish shapes that haunt the crags stared into the darkness from ravine and boulder and wondered what things were afoot. A band of these sat gaunt horses in the black pit-mouth of a gorge, as the hurrying hoof swept past. Their leader, a well-built man in a helmet and gilt-braided cloak, held up his hand warningly until the riders had sped on. Then he laughed softly. They must have lost the trail, or else they have found that Conan has already reached the Afghuli villages. It will take many riders to smoke out that hive. There will be squadrons riding up the Zaibar by dawn. "'If there is fighting in the hills, there will be looting,' muttered a voice behind him in the dialect of the Araxai. "'There will be looting,' answered the man with the helmet. "'But first it is our business to reach the valley of Gurashah, and await the riders that will be galloping southward from Secunderum before daylight.' He lifted his reins and rode out of the defile his men falling in behind him, thirty ragged phantoms in the starlight. End of chapter 4